The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to jamieappsmedia.com. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, the ultimate weekly entertainment recap and review show. My name is Jamie Apps, and each week I'll be joined by a rotating cast of co-hosts to run you through the entertainment media we've consumed during the week. Along the way, we'll provide you with insightful commentary and reviews. Today, I'm joined by Jackie Pino, who is a star of Amazon Prime's Bosch and has also most recently been one of the stars of Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales. How are you, Jackie? I'm good, thank you. You've been acting sort of the majority of your life. At what point did you realize it was a career path that you wanted to pursue? You know, it, it was, I think from the very beginning, even if I was so green and just had big dreams and high hopes and no connections, from the time that I was in high school, I just knew I wanted to do it. I think my drive came from, <clears throat> to be honest, you know, high school productions, elementary school was my first play that I was in, in Mary Poppins. And um, I just felt a drive to do it. It was something that spoke to me that, that gave me an outlet maybe to express myself where maybe I just didn't have that at home as much or uh, I just felt free you know, like no boundaries, like I could explore anything and, and be anyone or learn anything. So I was always going to do it, whether I was successful at it or not. <laughs> okay. Yep. Do, <laughs> do you think living in LA from sort of two years old influenced that passion at all? I think so, because from a very young age, I went to school with kids who became, you know, very big stars became very popular. Uh, some were friends of mine, some I knew just in passing in school. And then one day they just broke and became these, you know, huge names. And that gave me more drive. You know, I was never the type where I never have been the type to be like, oh man, you know, just jealous or envy. I don't really feel that. I feel more inspired and have more drive when someone that I know or have known makes it you're just like oh my gosh if they could do it so can I like you just find ways to keep going yeah it feels more attainable when someone close to you can do it yeah of course yes exactly were your parents supportive from the beginning they were my parents didn't you know they're latin american english is their second language and even though they'd lived in New York many years before I was born, they still were just very simple, you know, everyday working folks. So they weren't in entertainment industry at all. But they liked the fact that I pursued it. So they always tried to at least help me pay for my first headshots and drive me to auditions after school. So it was nice that I never felt like anything got in the way. Um, I just had to keep going and find the way. Yeah, it sounds like they were supportive and they just sort of gave you that hardworking attitude of just keep pushing. Yes. If I wanted, you know, I always took acting classes, dance lessons. I played the violin. You know, you're always trying to find when you're young, like, what am I really good at or what sticks? What's good, you know? So I wanted to be, if anything, a more well-rounded actor. 
you know, you want to learn other things, you want to be into sports. And I just wanted to learn uh, skills because I saw that other actors, when they brought something else to the table, their opportunity for, you know, booking a film or, you know, so I feel like that made me want to travel the world more, learn other languages. Um, I always just kind of wanted to live a full life while pursuing acting. I didn't want to just act because that felt empty to me. I needed to know that I could bring stuff to the table as an actor. Yep. And you speak four languages. Is that right? I, I dabbled in a fifth one, which is Mandarin Chinese. But unless I'm actively in class and doing the homework and listening to the lessons when I come home, I, it just doesn't stick as much. You know, Mandarin really is tonal. So I have to really pay attention and practice it. The other ones are all romance languages. So it's a lot easier to have them in my head. And if I hear them, I just, everything just kind of comes out and you speak it. And your first major TV role saw you alongside Ricky Martin. How did that feel? <laughs> oh man, that was surreal to me because Look, being Latin American, um, I grew up loving Menudo, which was the boy band that he was in, you know, much to the likes of Backstreet Boys or New Kids on the Block for, you know, American kids. So when I walked on set of General Hospital, I was going to play his younger sister. I was beside myself. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do when I meet him? And and here he walks into the makeup room. I was getting makeup. He walked in and he was so kind and friendly. And he just introduced himself like he was like, you know, my, my neighbor. He's like, hey, I'm Ricky. What's up? What's your name? And I'm just like, oh, hi. <laughs> I'm all trying to be cool, calm and collected. But there he was uh, so sweet and just kind of took me under his wing during the whole rehearsal process and doing our scenes, which some got to be quite emotional so what a wonderful experience it was to meet him. Uh, he's lovely. He's just so grounded and he was already so famous. And yet he was just the kind that treats everyone the same. And he doesn't consider himself more special or important than anyone else. So that was a nice introduction to being on camera for me. I imagine sort of getting that first meeting out of the way before you had to step on set made it a lot easier as well. Yeah, because he, we got to know a little bit, you know, each other. He sat in makeup. I was in makeup. He kind of broke the ice. He was so friendly. And then it just felt like he really could be like my big brother. So I, I felt that established our relationship in a much better way for the, for the soap opera. And your latest TV role sees you playing Detective Julie Espinoza for Amazon's right. Bosch. Yes. How are you finding that role? It's been... Um, very so different very serious kind of you know although the show you know adds levity to some situations and some dialogue between characters it's it was a real learning experience you know they bring on real robbery homicide detectives to set and we learn the do's and don'ts even you know proper attire you know where we place our robbery homicide pin uh you know learning how to put on your holster and the weapons and your badges, all that stuff was, was new to me. So I really enjoyed not just playing the role, but learning what it takes to be a real detective because it's uh, somebody's got to go out there and do the real thing. So we're just trying to portray that in the mo most honest and truthful way while at, you know, bringing entertainment to, to your TV screens. So it's been quite, quite a journey. Um, I got to play in four seasons of the series so uh, I'm very grateful to learn also from these actors that are 
quite amazing to work with. Uh, do you feel that show is sort of slightly underrated or underappreciated? I think so because it's so good. <laughs> and once people catch on to it or if, if somebody starts it, even if they just started season one, they can't stop. They're going to go all the way through season six. They're waiting for season seven. So I feel like it's not just another cop show. It really is. It's gritty. It's very real. And I think it shoots a lot like a film. So there's a rawness to it that I think brings audiences in once they, they get give themselves a chance to see it that you, you, you can't step away from. And, and Titus, who plays Bosch, he's just so real and so likable. You know, sometimes you have characters that are these hard ass cops or this or that. And, and, but if they have this humanity to them, this part of them that you just, you're, you're drawn in by that. Uh, he has that, you know, and I just, I love that, that that's even the impression that I got as a viewer before I joined the cast. Yeah. Like here in Australia with Amazon prime being so new, I feel like it's a lot of people are discovering these shows very recently and it's good to have. There's multiple seasons to binge watch straight away. Yes, that's the other thing. It's nice to have them, you know, because the ones that air weekly, you're like, ah, cliffhanger, and you just have to wait. It's now because we're so spoiled, though. Because before, that's how it used to be. You wait every week. That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> we're just spoiled yeah. now, I think. I, I love the binge watching. Oh, yeah. I, I struggle hard. Like, even the boys on Amazon Prime, when it went to weekly, that was so hard to adjust back to. Because then you, it's like a piece of you, you're like, now what do I do? What, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. What part of Australia are you in? Uh, just south of Sydney, about an hour south of Sydney. Oh, okay. I was out there, you know, on a, on a job uh, two and a half months, years ago. Gosh, I loved it. I love yeah. being out there. Working out there was like, can't they just leave me here? I just wanted that job to go on forever. Yeah, it's a shame Lovely. we can't sort of travel at the moment. Oh, I know. I know. Everybody's How are you finding COVID and everything over there? Um, I, it's, it's okay. You know, there's a lot of mixed feelings because, you know, we we stay very safe. Um, we know we have to wear our masks and social distance. It's sort of a no brainer. Uh, but we do see the resistance in other either areas of our state or by communities. So you just wonder why, you know, why we all can't be on the same page in order to overcome this quicker. Um, it's difficult to, you know, and then you have to wonder, you know, what are other parts of the world doing? What are other states doing? Why are they doing better or worse than us? And it, it brings up a, a lot of emotion. I think in order to deal day to day, we have to a little bit just live in our bubble a little so that we're able to cope with getting through the day and stay safe. I imagine it's impacted your work quite significantly. It did. Um, it, it did for, I mean, from March through, I would say, October. I mean, there was, there was nothing, you know. When there were better guidelines about how people could safely go back to work, studios started to implement that. And it felt like, okay, you know, that's why production has picked up so much and um, there is a lot more work opportunity right now, but when it's March and April and you're thinking, you don't know when it's going to open up, it was a scary time to really not know when anyone or anything was opening up. It was strange to see Los Angeles, you go into Hollywood, you drive near, you know, the touristy areas where there's always people, you never not see people kind of like New York Times Square. My sister lives in New York and she would show me videos and be like, mm -hmm. look, there is nobody on the streets. It, it was 
It was just surreal. It's like a sci-fi movie almost. And yeah, you sort of, during that time, you obviously had Spider-Man sort of on the back burner about to come out. Was that exciting in that time? Yes. You know, we were actually able to do work remotely with that because we weren't done with a lot of the uh, voice capturing. So a lot of the voiceover work hadn't been done. And luckily there were ways to, you know, tie in remotely to be able to record safely and, and still be have the director and producers and everybody involved in your recording. So we did some of that during those months and I knew that, you know, release day was coming, but even then all of us were like, I hope we hope we hope because it's just, we didn't know are things going to continue to be back to normal? Will it be okay to release a game? Are, you know, there were all these questions. So I just sort of sat on the sidelines and crossed my fingers that everything would go well and, and we would see the game, and so we did. Yay! <laughs> yeah, and you've also worked on a few other games as well: Uncharted Three, Quantum Break, obviously Spider Man. Now, how did you get involved in that world? It really came from audition opportunities. You know, I I just auditioned for so many uh, projects, and um, I've been with my same voiceover agent now since I was, you know, in high school. I mean, they're wonderful. I really have a I love working with the same people we have a relationship they know me and they know how far I can stretch you know um so I feel like they they throw things at me and they're like do you want to try this do you want to try this and I really look at the roles I don't try out for everything that comes my way because some things I know I'm just really not right for or I, I just can't be genuine enough to bring that character to life but when these were in front of me the script, it just jumped out at me, you know, and the auditions are a lot like film auditions because it's going to be motion capture and they're going to need you to be, you know, actively involved in not just the voice, but the acting, the imagination, working on a, on a big stage. So I think that's what helped me is that it isn't just for actors as a whole. So when you have the experience working on film and TV, you walk into one of these auditions and it is like one of those auditions. Yeah, obviously there are those differences a little bit where you can do those stuff from home at the same time, but I guess a lot of it is the initial start. You have to go in and do that motion capture. How do you find that? Yeah, it's challenging. It's definitely challenging. I I find it challenging because you're in a set with everything that you see is not really there. It's all imagination. All of us have to jump on board and have the same vivid imagination we interact with each other and we also have really heavy equipment from our head in front of our face on our bodies and we're still you know sometimes running and jumping and reacting and hugging and trying to do all this stuff that's very seems very unnatural but we have to bring it to life in the most natural and seamless way as possible because then that's when you know animation will take it and do your motion capture on a screen and add the vividness of the character and, and how you look and so and each part is done separately so it, it feels fragmented you know to do let's do voice let's do motion capture let's do the physicality let's do the stunts uh, so I do find it more challenging than just walking into a film set or or a TV set and and um, I, I welcome the challenge. But there are days when you're like, did, did they connect? Am I doing the same thing? Do you know what I yep. mean? So, Yeah, it's always a worry. Is, is this voice going to match up with the action I did three or four months ago? 
Right, right. And um, I, I really owe it to, to the director, Chris Salter, who really brought us from point A to Z every session. You know, we recap, we warm up, we rehearse, uh, we talk about whatever questions need to be addressed as far as story to, to remember what we've already done because we also shoot out of order. So sometimes we've already shot the end and we're still doing the beginning and we can't know that we're feeling that then. And so it's, it's a lot, it's a, it's a big challenge. And that's, I can see why it takes so long too. Um, but it's really, I give credit to the writers and the animation artists. I mean, those guys bring what you see to life in a way that blows my mind. When I saw a finished product, I had tears in my eyes. I couldn't believe that all this work we've been doing for almost two years looked like that, you know, it's just beautiful. Do you feel you sort of spoke earlier about when you were getting into acting, you were doing all sorts of different things. Do you feel that's helped now moving into the, the gaming and extra areas? I do. I do because when, when I auditioned for this role, it, it was a very uh, heavy scene. It was material written specifically for the audition because they didn't want to give away any storyline or any, you know, from the real script. Um, it was a very emotional and heavy scene. So you had to come in prepared, like it is a role in a movie, you know, and that's what I did. So I, I never thought about it as anything different. I don't compartmentalize and go, oh, this is this. Style-wise, you wanna give it the right flavor and the right feel. But as far as, you know, the, the caliber of work, I, you have to just bring your A game every time. So I felt that with Rio Morales, I really felt close to, I had a connection to the character and the page. And that doesn't always happen with every audition. And yes, Spider-Man has a, a strong focus on representation and particularly characters of color. How important was that for you when you assessed the role? You know, I, I didn't think about it in that moment. I really thought of us just, you know, as people, the situation, the circumstances. I think it was later on in the shoot and as, as things are coming out more uh, it publicly that you realize, oh, this is diversity hasn't been a part of a lot of games. Um, diversity sometimes in a positive way because you know, you've know you seen diversity in, in the fact that sometimes it's all the bad guys or you know in some of those games that are a little more violent, which I don't really audition for those just by choice. Um, some of those, you know, like, I don't even know what they're called, but I, I can think of a title like Grand Theft Auto or things like that. Just like, yep. you know, I like that this is diversity in, in representation of what the real world is like that, you know, there are moms and dads and heroes every day of every ethnicity in our society. So when I started to notice that that's where we were headed, that was really nice. It just felt good. There was a part of you that, that went to work and, and said, we're, this is the real deal. You know, uh, we're not pretending here. And that was nice. And as a mother yourself, is it exciting to have a, a game now that has that representation and has a strong female character that your kids can go and play? Yes. Yes. And my son is really young. He's four. So when, when we've watched it or tried to get him to, he's like, Spider-Man, like, you know, he just cares about Miles Morales. <laughs> and he's like, but there's mom. He's like, oh yeah, mom, but there's Spider-Man. So he's still <laughs> super excited, but not about mom. You know, um, I think when he gets older, he's going to realize, oh mom, that's so cool that you were in that, you know, but, uh, 
I think I was surprised by the um, how how Rio Morales has been received. And it is by people of all ages. It's men and women. Um, I, I'm really happy to see that Rio has inspired others to either see themselves and their family and me and, and Miles or that they feel like, oh, if you're in that, we, we can be that too one day. Lots of, you know, young actors have, have written messages or said, you know, I'm an actor. I want to do that one day. Um, it's nice to feel like you can inspire someone to make them feel like they can do it too. Were there any people that you looked to for inspiration for the role? I, I did not specifically focus on anyone, but I, I had just become a mom when I booked the role. And I think that for me was the catalyst. It was just, uh, I think when I, cause it was for the first Spider-Man game with Peter Parker. And I think my baby was like six weeks old or something like that when I auditioned. So there was so much going on in me that I didn't know. And having a connection to a son really brought me to the role where I just, I mean, I just didn't have to pull it from anywhere, but I had it all right in here, you know? Um, I think for me, that's what I've used in my journey. And of course, the situations of, uh, you know, losing your, your husband as, as the character when, when the dad dies, all those obstacles, uh, you realize that we've all come across obstacles and ups and downs in life. No matter, you know, where we're from and where we live, there's always going to be good and bad. So I draw from really my own experiences and the, my way of getting through things and pushing through and seeing my own family struggle through things. And my parents, one thing, it's like Miles and Rio, is like you don't give up. You keep going, you get through it, you find a way and you come out the other side. So I just felt like that lives in me and it was easier to bring that to real. Yeah, I, I absolutely felt that sort of motherly feeling coming from the character and like my mom's a single mom as well. So it definitely resonated with me. Right. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we, we have to just, we, we got to do what we got to do. So let's go, you know. <laughs> Are you hoping to reprise the role in future Spider-Man games? Well, I have no idea. I mean, obviously, as an actor, you hope, you know, you always go. It's kind of like with Bosch. When I first started my role on Bosch, I had no idea it was going to be more than one or two episodes. Uh, and then when they come, you know, knocking on the door, you know, calling you, for lack of a better term, then then you're just like, yes, of course I want to come back. So if that opportunity ever existed, absolutely. If there was a future for Rio, I'd be more than happy to, to fill those shoes because it's been a wonderful journey with Insomnia Games and also just the cast. And um, I'm really glad the fans like it. You never know how people are going to respond, you know. So I was taken by surprise. I'm really pleased. Are there any other dream roles that you would love to take on? I would love to just do, you know, film roles of, I would love to play, you know, some just real badass attorney <laughs> that takes on some big case and is, you know, fighting for the little guy. That kind of motivation does live in me, you know. Um, I'm big into dog rescue. So in, in a role like uh, if I was an attorney or some sort of, you know, another extension of real, which is another a politician in a film or a series, uh, I look for those. I really, really like those. Um, being a mom is new to me, but I've realized even through playing Rio that 
there are so many, you know, like mom roles you could play or Aaron Brockovich type roles, you know, uh, that would be something. So. Yeah. I was going to ask about the, the outside of acting, the fierce advocacy for animals and particularly dogs. Where does that passion come from? You know, I just feel like the first time I grew up afraid of dogs and long story short, when I worked in Australia, I was in a little town called Dalesford um, outside of Melbourne, like an hour and a half. And there were these puppies that were born on the farm where we were shooting. And we used to ride horses in between rehearsals for the series I was on. It was called Ponderosa, which was like a prequel to Bonanza. And um, these puppies, I'd never held a puppy, seen a puppy. So they were like this tiny. And it was the first time that I was not afraid of dogs. But from Australia to the U.S., there's all these rules about bringing pets. And, and the people on the farm say, oh, you guys, if you guys want to take the dogs, we don't, we're not going to keep them all. We need homes. But there were too many, you know, <laughs> too much red tape for me to bring one. But as soon as I got back, I'm like, I need to get a dog. So that was sort of my introduction into wanting to. But I didn't know is that you get a dog but there's like hundreds others that don't have homes and you can't adopt them all. So that was a little bit of what started the wheels turning in me that once I, I was able to, you know, not just monetarily, but time-wise and having space in my home to foster that I just wanted to help because I realized that we have a real problem with dog homelessness. But um, I started, you know, filming a documentary and I did a, I've spent four and a half years now on this project, which is, you know, hopefully coming to light in 2021. So I'm, I'm excited and, and nervous and emotional about it, but you know, if we can make the difference in the lives of some pets and make it a snowball effect, maybe we can make a difference in the future for all pets that are homeless. Awesome. I'll have to keep an eye out for the, the documentary. Yes. It's called the canine condition. So, and it's a series, so we're hoping to, you know, um, address it like, you know, weekly or I don't know if it'll be streamed. So, yeah. Perfect. And then in terms of sort of personal recommendations, obviously you've had a bit of extra time at home recently. Are there any sort of games, movies or TV shows that you've been watching and recommend? Well, what, what have I seen recently? I mean, I watch a lot of documentaries. So it's just, and some of them are just dark, <laughs> but I think I just got into them because of, of my, my own journey. Uh, I mean, I've seen crazy ones like The Vow. I mean, that was just like, you know, I don't know if people are into like learning about cults, but wow, um, that was quite the journey. Um, but I recently finished watching The Undoing with Nicole Kidman. And it was just this nice thriller. I knew that I wasn't going to be strung along for like, episodes and episodes. So it was kind of nice to know that in, I think it was six or seven episodes, I was going to know who did it. Um, I really like kind of those mystery dramas. So the undoing's a, a, a good one. And now I'm, I'm watching the Queen's Gambit. So I oh. don't know any spoilers, but it's so good. So yeah. good. Yes. Well, I watched that recently and loved oh, you did? it. It's Ooh, awesome. I can't wait. So yeah, we're, we're not all the way through, but um, it's definitely at the top of the list right now. Brilliant. And then finally, where is the best place for people to follow and support your work? Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter under Jackie Pinole. My last name is actually Pinole, but you know, social media doesn't let you put the Enya, which has a little accent over the N. So it's Jackie, J-A-C-Q-U-I, P-I-N-O-L. 
Jackie Pinole on Instagram and Twitter. And then uh, the canine condition is the word canine. We have a page now because we're going to get ready to launch some, some stuff in, in January. So wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me and good luck with everything in the new year and have a nice Christmas and new year. Oh, you too, Jamie. Thank you so much. It's been so nice chatting with you. Enjoy Australia. I'm so jealous that you're there. (laughs) Thank you. Take care. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Jamzine, over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Jamie Apps Media. The following people supported at the Jam publisher level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Courtney Paulson, Tracy Apps. (laughs) 